everything that's happening of power and glory is all centered at the Son of God. All the faith, all the joy, all the power, all the strength. It's centered on Jesus Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit within this passage is centered on Jesus Christ. The great ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be a spotlight to shine upon Jesus Christ. If you want the power of God's Spirit to fill your life, the Spirit of God fills most the people who are in love with the Son of God. Hi, friends, and welcome back to our program, Live in the Light. We're a radio ministry that seeks to see lives transformed through the unapologetic preaching of God's Word. Our teacher for this program is Robbie Simons, who is a pastor up here in Ontario, Canada, and I can say this with confidence, a huge fan of Christmas. You hear my voice, and you'll hear his voice in just a second, but there's a lot of voices out there that you won't hear that do a ton of work. And we wanted to take a moment from all of us here at Live in the Light to wish you a wonderful and Merry Christmas. May the Lord bless you with joy and peace and hope this Christmas and the wonderful truths of the incarnation of the Son of God who came for us. Well, today's teaching takes us to Luke chapter 1, verse 39, where we read Elizabeth receiving the greeting of Mary and a baby jumping in her womb. Lots of joy today, loved ones. So let's turn things over to our teacher, Pastor Robbie, as we dig deep in this passage of great news. If I'm aware the package has arrived, I will be filled with God's spirit. Look at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is amazing verse. Elizabeth simply hears Mary's voice and Jay the bee leaps in her womb. That's awesome. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, so beautiful. Loved ones, at the center of this text is Jesus Christ. Everything that's happening of power and glory is all centered at the Son of God. All the faith, all the joy, all the power, all the strength. It's centered on Jesus Christ. The, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit within this passage is centered on Jesus Christ. The great ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be a spotlight to shine upon Jesus Christ. If you want the power of God's Spirit to fill your life, the Spirit of God fills most the people who are in love with the Son of God. The Spirit of God delights in the Son of God, and the Spirit of God fills the people of God who also delight in the Son of God. Let's just be honest right now. As we read this passage right here, a lot of us, a lot of us right now, we want the joy of Elizabeth, we want the power of John the Baptist, and we want the favor of Mary. We just do. We read this. I want the joy of Elizabeth, I want the favor of Mary, and I want the power of John the Baptist. But here's the better question right now. But do you want God's son? 
because that's how they knew their favor and joy and strength because their whole life was about Jesus Christ. We want the blessing. We often don't want him. Just speaking the truth because I see my own heart. We so often hold our hands out to receive what God we think he should give us. But in the end, we're missing the whole point of the giver. Think what a terrible sin that is. Give me all your blessing, Lord, but I'll just kind of disregard you in the process. Don't miss, man, everything that's happening within this story of the power and the filling of God's spirit. Every person involved is 100% aware of the package that's arrived and they know all glory is found in him and they love him and they want to praise him and worship him. And that's where they know the joy, the favor, and the strength. Please, Lord, fill your church with the same. Let us also be reminded the single greatest hindrance to the Holy Spirit filling our lives is sin. Sin quenches God's spirit in our lives. Sin grieves the spirit of God in our lives. Sin is the great deterrent to our affection and singing and service and sanctification. So I thought about this Christmas season right now and I was thinking, well, what are some of the most prominent sins in this season that that, that deter or quench the spirit of God within our lives? And I'm gonna call them seasonal sins. Now that's kind of ridiculous because they're always sins. But let's just say, what are we most susceptible to during the season? And I came up with a list that started with G's. Why G's? I don't know. It just sounded good and it seemed to flow, okay? So here are some seasonal sins focused on the theme of G. Number one is this, greed. As much as this is supposed to be a season of giving, let's just be honest, man. It's often turns into a season of greed. If you want to reduce the power of God's spirit in your life, then just keep on making it about us, about accumulation, about pursuing stuff that will never ultimately satisfy. Here's another G, gluttony. That's a seasonal sin. All the food, it's great, it's great. Nothing against food, amen? It's good. The, the, the wonderful variety that God creates, the infinite combinations of taste buds and, and of flavor. At the end of the day, it's amazing to me though how we stuff our faces so full and so fat that in the end, we have no appetite left over for the Lord. And you know I speak truth about this too. It's good, it's good, but there's a line you cross. And all of a sudden we're so focused on the idol of our food and feeding our stomachs that our hearts become barren and desolate. When the Christ child's over in the corner wanting our affection, longing for our adoration, and we're too busy worshiping the physical food instead of the bread of life. Next one, gorging on entertainment. That's a seasonal sin. Uh, Ladies, a Hallmark channel. Guys, everything else. I mean, think about it. Again, I don't mind a good Christmas movie or whatever, some of the things that even our family does together. But the reality is, is that if we're so filling ourselves with the mindless form of entertainment, it's taking us away from pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to really limit God's spirit within our lives. Next one. Green with envy. There's a sin. We're so focused on other people. We failed to realize our own hearts before the Lord. We're going to see that in the text today. The purity and the power of seeing Christ 
Stop looking around, man. Just look within. Here's another one. Gift obsessed. We talked about that. The materialism, the, 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 the commercialism of our season causes us to be so focused on an object that we miss the sun, the God of glory. Here's another one. Idolatrous gaming. Why did I have to put gaming? Because gaming always applies in our day. Doesn't matter what we're talking about, when we're talking about. I'm not saying gaming's a sin in itself, but it quickly becomes idolatrous and starts to take our hearts away from Christ and grieves the spirit of God. Next one, going nonstop. This grieves me in this, this season of Christmas. And again, we're often rushing, we're rushing, we're rushing, we're rushing. I get it, man. There's like to-do lists and there's dinners need to be prepared and the things need to be done and just the thing. But, but just, just again, just the commotion and the hamster wheel and the spinning of the plates and the frantic pace and the stress we feel. And just, but just, just do it long enough and just say, stop, time out, time out. What am I doing? Why am I so stressed out? What am I worried about really? Just time out for a second. Is this that important? Just ask the question. The frantic pace, the incredible busyness is one of the greatest deterrents to actually seeking and listening and hearing the voice of God and knowing his spirit fill our lives. Next one is gossip. Why? Well, it starts with the G. But listen, the, the tongue is like a fire that sets a forest ablaze. How important it is that we guard our tongues that we will not grieve. I'm thinking that this probably here too is one of the greatest grievances and, and hindrances of God's spirit within our lives. The words we choose to say. Last one, Grinch-like. Just in a season where there should be joy from Christ because we're, honestly, because we're focused on all these other things, then we become super grumpy and we become miserly and we lack a generosity. And it, you know, I just want to say that right there. Just, um, our, our inability to be generous will grieve the work of the Spirit of God within our lives as well. Um, giving and generosity is such a, a part of, of the evidence that God's Spirit is working within us. We don't hoard or hold on to, we release and we give. If I'm aware of the package of blessing, and then I will be filled with God's Spirit. Oh Lord, may it be so. Thirdly, if I'm aware of the package of blessing, I am humbled by grace. I am humbled by grace. Look at verse 42 now. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Um, that, that expression, loud cry, again, used as a prophetic utterance. So the Holy Spirit now is giving Elizabeth a prophetic word. She is stating something she could not know otherwise in herself. A loud cry, notice, blessed are you among women. Notice she doesn't say above women. She says, blessed are you among women. Mary's a woman. In the Jewish culture, I'll wait to get that in just a second. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, she says here, okay? So again, notice, you are most blessed among all women. Why? Because again, in Jewish culture, women's greatness was based upon the children they bore. So if you are going to give birth to the son of God, um, well, that's the biggest blessing there is, Okay. So this is what Elizabeth is recognizing. Also notice, um, Elizabeth is probably 60 years older than Mary. In Jewish culture, for her to honor someone who's a teenager in this way, it just doesn't happen. Unthinkable. It's like the opposite of what happened in that culture. But here's what God is doing. God is moving. And Elizabeth is a godly woman. 
She has a righteousness growing within her. She hears the spirit of God and she speaks blessing. She knows what's right. She says, blessed is the fruit of your womb, meaning your child, Mary, will be the greatest ever. Now remember, Elizabeth's child is the greatest person ever born besides Jesus, John the Baptist. She was promised in Luke 1 through the angel's message to Zechariah, your child will be great. But she knows that Mary's child will be the greatest. And I want you to see here too, notice in this exchange between Elizabeth and Mary, notice there isn't even a hint of jealousy or envy from Elizabeth towards Mary. Not even a hint. Do you ever think about in our lives when we can receive such blessing? We're so blessed, but in our wicked uh, state of a hardened heart, we're so blessed, but we look across and we're like, how come I don't have that? How come I want to be number one? How come we can't understand like the, 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 the full blessing of being a child of God and all that we've received, but then we look ahead and we, and we want what someone else has. Elizabeth could have done that. She'd be like, well, I got a great child. How come I can't be the one to give birth to it? You see, you see, when you're so focused on Jesus Christ, jealousy and envy just dissipate. Because again, when you're looking at the one who is all sufficient, and you know that you've received everything you could possibly ever want in Jesus Christ. Again, when the thoughts of, of jealousy or envy come in, you're just like, whatever, whatever. I've got everything. I don't need that. I'm not going to be distracted about that. I have everything in Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. Are you jealous right now? It's a sign that our gaze is off. Are we filled with envy? That's a full proof, man. We're not looking properly. We don't get it. Are you struggling with jealousy right now? Hold Jesus. Like hold, go, as whatever you do, hold Jesus. Gaze upon Jesus, the son of God, the light of life, the one who's given you a salvation over your sins and death and freed you from hell and he's yours and, and you are his. And the more you stare at him, the less you will start wanting other things around you because you have the greatest treasure in the history of the universe and he's yours by grace. I love Elizabeth's example right here. That's the power of Christmas, man. And then notice her, her humility and the humility of grace continues in verse 43. She says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, that phrase, my Lord, is proof of the deity of Christ again. She's calling Mary the mother of God Almighty in terms of her Lord, at least. She's identifying Jesus as, as, as God himself. The mother of my Lord should come to me. Again, notice the increasing humility of Mary the more she is sensing the presence of God upon her life. It's, it's like Elizabeth, she just starts to kind of decrease, 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 decrease. One of the great signs that we know the package and we're aware that is truly arrived, um, certain sayings start being heard from our mouths like, like sincerely, like I'm not worthy. Um, he must, he must increase. I must decrease. Or um, I deserve nothing. But I've received everything. Here's a phrase that will be heard from your mouth and mine. The more we're aware the package has arrived, it's this: it's why me, Lord? Why me? That's what Elizabeth is saying. She's like, why me? Why is do I get to receive? and be a part of when the mother of my Lord 
should come to me. Like there's a genuine, here's what we do in our sinful state. We say, why me to God? But we say it in complaint. How could you do this, God? Why is my life like this? Why are my situations turning out? Why me, Lord? Why do I have to go through this? Why am I subject to this? Why me, why me? And it's all from a situational of complaint against God and calling him unfair, unjust, unkind. But when you really see grace, you will never say those words in the negative. When you and I really see grace, the only things that will come from our mouths is, why should I be saved in light? You ever, if you're like me, like you're like, you're driving to church this morning and you're looking at the empty roads and house after house after house that you have to assume is filled with people who do not know Jesus Christ, who are spiritually dead, who at this moment are totally blind and lost and going to hell. And you're driving along and you're heading to a place of worship where Jesus Christ is alive and he's allowed you and quickened your heart to see the truth of life. And you know the blessing and the filling of God's spirit and you know the grace. And then at that moment, you're like, God, why me? Why have I been given the gift of sight? Wasn't because I was special. Wasn't because I earned it. I can't explain why I know Christ when I deserve death and so much of the world around me at this point is totally blind to the knowledge and reality of Jesus Christ as Lord. Why me? Can you explain that? Can you explain if you're truly alive in Jesus Christ right now? Can you explain why you have been saved? But you can't attribute that to your own doing. That's the Lord. It's humbling, man. And the more you're aware of grace, you join with Elizabeth. And you say, ultimately, why me? I'm aware the package has arrived when I'm humbled by grace. Number four, I love this one. I'm aware when I leap with joy. Verse 44 is one of the coolest verses in the Christmas story. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So notice Mary is blessed, Elizabeth is blessed, and now our third individual, he's not gonna miss out on the blessing. John the Baptist in the womb. We're told twice in this passage that John leaps in the womb of Elizabeth. Verse 41 and now verse 44. Verse 44 gives it more explanation. This wasn't a normal baby leaping. This was, this was John the Baptist, ready? Starting his ministry. This is, this, is, this is John the Baptist's first sermon. It was a sermon of action. Remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah and he didn't waste a moment, did he? The first chance he got, he hears the voice of Mary. He leaps in the womb, not for Mary, but for Christ. Here is John already expressing his joy in Jesus Christ. And by the way, this was prophesied and promised. Look at Luke chapter one, verse 15. Verse 15. Here's the angel speaking to Zechariah. And it says, for he, John the Baptist will be great. Luke 1, 15, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I just feel the Lord wants me to say this right now, okay? Christmas season, if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit in your life, just get drunk. Just abuse alcohol. Just get tipsy. Just enough to take your mind off of the things of the Lord. Go get high. That'll, that'll quench the Spirit of God in, in, in a great hurry. I think that's why this is in here. He must not drink wine or strong drink. And the very next thing it says, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this, ready? Even from his mother's womb. 
even from his mother's womb. How awesome is that? It's awesome. The joy that John the Baptist, again, experiences in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, loved ones, again, you want joy? Look at John, uh, John 3 here, John chapter three. And here's John the Baptist speaking about this as well. This is, this is John the Baptist. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom and the friend, John the Baptist, of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices. John the Baptist's joy was fully rooted in Christ as proven in the womb of his mother and then with his ministry. Rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. How awesome is that? The connection of Mary's voice and then the voice of Jesus. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Why? Because the Messiah is here. Jesus Christ has begun his ministry. He's like, my joy is complete. My joy is in Jesus. That's a sign that we are aware that the package has arrived. Joy. Leaping for joy. Of course, joy, then one of the great themes of Christmas. The angels, our whole series on this verse, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Great joy. Hark the herald angels sing. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Come thou long expected Jesus. Joy of every longing heart. Probably the greatest, most popular Christmas carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy, 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 joy. The joy that is found in Jesus Christ. Fill your church with joy. Why so much joy? Ready? Peace is here. Redemption is coming. Reconciliation to the Father. Victory over death. Light and life, as we sung multiple times today. The greatest source of joy ever. The gospel. Salvation. Rescued from sin. Again, the light and life of love. What other present can give you that? None. No one. Nothing can give you that kind of joy that's found in Jesus Christ. If we are aware that the, are we really aware the package has arrived, we will leap for joy. You know, part of what's happening around the Holy Spirit showing us we're not aware, but the Holy Spirit also says, but you can be, and I want you to be, and I want to fill you that you might have the joy. And he's showing us how. The last point is this. If you're aware, then we believe, or I believe. I believe it's, it's that simple, such a beautiful way to end. Look at, look, at, look at verse 45. This is a statement at Mary, but it's also, it's generic enough in the original. It's pointing to all people of all time. Notice, and blessed is she who believed, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I think there's some irony in this or there's some kind of connections here as well. Because remember, as Mary goes into the house of Zechariah, as the text says, and greeted Elizabeth, we got to imagine Zechariah is not too far from this scene. You got to imagine maybe he's even in the house somewhere. Maybe he's right beside them. Zechariah was mute. Remember that? He was struck mute because he did not believe what the angel Gabriel told him. Of course, Elizabeth has been living with a mute husband for six months. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of marriage principles in that one, isn't there? Yeah. So she's living with Zechariah who cannot speak for six months because he didn't believe. And here she is filled with the, with, with, with the spirit of God. And she turns and you wonder if Zechariah is kind of like there in like in the same proximity. Does she turn and say to Zechariah, read my lips. Blessed is she who believes in what the Lord said to her would be fulfilled. And what a humbling moment that is for Zechariah. But here's the thing, the, 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 the truth and the blessing 
what God says God will do. I want to flip verse 45 upside down, okay? If you take the progression of verse 45 upside down, here it is, ready? What God says, God will do. If I believe, I am blessed. See the word, know that God means what he says. You believe in the word and you're blessed by the truth of God. What God says, God will do. If I believe, then I am blessed. How the promises of God are immensely powerful. And I wrote down some Christmas promises just to end our message here this weekend. I wrote down some promises found within Christmas. There could be many more, but here are some of the most essential. This is what God says from his word that Christmas was promised to do. A savior for my sins. A light to defeat my darkness. Yes, Lord a son to secure my redemption, a prince that guarantees my peace, a peace that will never end, a joy that overcomes my all. All of Christmas is promised to deliver these results. Next slide. A knowledge of salvation. Jesus Christ came to bring the knowledge of salvation of how we are saved from our sins. The promise that God is with us, Emmanuel at Christmas. The works of the devil are destroyed, taken straight from 1 John 3, 8. The devil himself will be defeated through the promises of Christmas. To know a freedom for those who are under oppression or captivity. This is why Christ came. And maybe the greatest promise of all, because it's the greatest virtue of all love. God sent his son at Christmas. He delivered this package because it's the love that leads to eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Listen, whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I appeal to you today, you are here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not wait another moment. Turn from your sin, repent of your sin and turn to the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Cease to live for that which does not matter and start to live for the one who grants joy and light and life. Here, here's what I promise you, okay? You give your life to Jesus Christ, your life in this world will not be harder or at least it will not get easier. It will be harder for sure. I promise you that. I speak from tons of experience, but it will be infinitely better. He is so worth it. What would you give for eternal life to be saved from sin and death and hell itself? That's why Christmas is here. God brought his blessing into the world and everyone who receives this package by faith and the grace of God, you can't earn it. You can't earn it. You will be free. You will be saved and you will belong to the God of the universe guaranteed a spot in heaven forever. Who here today, this is your time to pronounce Jesus Christ. I need you, save me. I believe in you, wash me. Who here today, this is your moment. This is why Jesus came to live and die and be raised from the dead. Oh, may God save lives right now in our midst. Let's pray. Father, grant your church joy and grant your church life. Grant your church, Lord, perspective. Grant your church favor. Grant your church, Lord, the ability to see Holy Spirit of God, I pray. You will move. You will cause us to rejoice. You will allow us, Lord, to know why we live and who we live for. Yes, Lord, would you do this? Oh God, I pray. Open up minds, Lord. Take the blinders off some people, Lord. 
set them free from their bondage and captivity, Lord, to the chains of darkness, even right now. Maybe you've already done this, Lord, in this service. Oh God, I pray it would be known. I pray that the assurance would be felt so strong. I pray the hope and life and joy, the life that will get harder in many ways, but it'll be infinitely awesome and better. That's what Jesus Christ promises and ultimately to live for the world to come. So Lord, I pray even now as we respond in song, we we can just even put a cap on this whole message by rejoicing in you, Emmanuel, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I wanna-